We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, out. Out. That's a big nice. place. You sold oh, it out. Like I'll say, you really, really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Now or later, any time for the climate. Hello and welcome to the Normal Cast. This is your host, Chris Caloose. This is episode 11. It is May 13th, about 10 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. And on today's show, we have an interview with climber Craig DiMartino, who has a hell of a story to tell. But before we get to that, there's some big news. We have a sponsor, folks. I repeat, we have a sponsor. Defiant Bean Roasters is a company started with others by a friend and climber, Jeff Hollenbaugh. They take responsibly sourced quality beans and hand roast them. Yes, Jeff's hands are very, very hot. Then they pack them up while they're still smoking and send them to you, ground or whole or whatever you're into. I think Jeff will even split them individually if necessary. And better yet, Defiant Bean Roasters is offering the Normalcast listeners a special offer. Enter Enormo in the coupon code at checkout and get 10% off and 10% for the Enormo cast. So head over to defiantbean.com, order up just an absolute shitload of coffee, and then enter Enormo at the coupon code and get 10% off, and then we get 10%. Isn't that awesome? It's a triple win. You support a climber, you support the Enormo cast, and best of all, you get awesome fresh roasted delicious coffee just imagine those boxes arriving to your house and then you ripping them open and the aroma of fresh coffee just burning through your senses getting you psyched getting you stoked making you want to poop whatever so that's pretty exciting if you uh can't figure it out head over to a normalcast.com and click on the defiant bean banner and that'll take care of you it'll run you right through the whole process now, on to my interview with Craig DiMartino. Craig is a climber who lived through every climber's worst nightmare, and that's a serious crater from a long way up, 100 feet no less, into the talus. And not only did he survive, he came out the other side a better man. And more than just recounting his accident, Craig's attitude explains a ton about why we all climb and the gifts that climbing gives us. I know that sounds a little bit hokey, but strap in for this one. Prepare to sweat. Prepare to cry. You might pee your pants. I mean, it is over an hour long. But if you listen to it in two parts, can't get through the whole thing at once, I'd recommend you just stop right when Craig gets his leg amputated. Wait, what did I just say? Yeah, sitting across the table from this guy, listening to his story blew my little mind. I wish you could have been there. Wait, that's where we're going right now. To the mobile studio with Craig DiMartino. Yeah, it, it's in it's the Ghost in the Machine. Yeah, it'll, that would that'll be on the recording. Well, because yeah. when I'm driving, if my phone's sitting yeah. on my radio, yeah, I, oh, my phone's gonna ring. Yeah. Well, even playing live music, if I put it, if you leave it on the amp, on my oh, guitar amp, yeah, anywhere there's like electrical uh, sound speaker signal, it's like it's in there. 
Yeah. So you just know it's probably also in your brain doing Damn. stupid, yeah, exactly. horrible <laughs> things. So, <laughs> so um, my legs. All right, so back to this thing. All right, we're sitting in the uh, podcasting Normal Cast Mobile Studio. Craig DiMartino, uh, Front Range Colorado climber, is my guest. What's Thank you happening? very much. Not much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> right Love on. it. Love it. Uh, Craig's in town um, in Carbondale, so I tracked him down and made him sit in, in the studio because he is part of a movie premiere that's happening uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow on night. Sunday, tomorrow night, Yes. Um, in conjunction with, with my arch nemesis. Fitzcahal. Fitzcahal of the Dirtbag Diaries. And and we're the we're the last movie and uh-huh. I'm not sure if that's like uh sh- we'll just put it in. Or if it's like <laughs> uh let's do it on purpose. The honored I don't know. The honored closer. We're after, yeah, we're after Scandy, so I'm not sure if that's like a good thing or I didn't After ask. what? After Andy Lewis. Oh, right. Um on. Sketchy Andy. Oh, right. Uh on. so he's in for he's in force and I I remember looking at the the whatever schedule and thinking, "Oh, I wonder if that's Bad, but Fitz doesn't seem worried, so cool. I'm not worried. Is he in town? Do you think? He's in town. Oh man, he'd be. Oh wait, 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 Andy. Yeah, uh, that I don't think. Because oh, okay. isn't he torn? He's with Madonna. Well, no, I actually have seen him humping around down in uh, in uh, Moab the last few weeks. So okay, I don't know. never mind. I mean, I know what he looks like. He's got the crazy haircut. Yeah, crazy yeah. haircut. And, yeah. Uh, maybe he's here then. Yeah. So anyway, find out tomorrow. I'll find out. I'd love to, Andy if you're listening. Come on the Come show. Come on in right now. Anyhow, so you've got a movie premiere, um, and it is it's the the premise is basically surrounding your major climbing accident, right? And your recovery from this, right? Okay, and it's called the list. The list, and the list is uh, it's based around kind of after going through rehab and all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, go going back to climbing, deciding to go back to climbing mm-hmm. number one, and then just how I structured it to go back to climbing. Okay, how does it sort of get released to the public? Do you even know? It's uh, I don't. It's I mean, really weird. I I gotta be honest with you. Like when you try coming down here, I was thinking to myself, this is really kind of weird. Like, and you come in and and you see these people who you read about and whatever you know. And, mm-hmm. and I have a boy crush on Jimmy Chin, and so you you meet them and you're like, wow, he's a this, beautiful man. He's a beautiful man. He has <laughs> yeah. that nice hair and everything. Yeah. And and so you know, I'm talking to him last night, and you're just like, this is really weird. It's like. It's just a place you never think, like our sport especially, is going to get to, right. like a film festival. That's just weird. So I don't know. I mean, and as the athlete, you have no control, basically. I mean, they you you just trust who you're working with, and I trust Fitz 100%. So he uh-huh. just says, this is where it's going to be. You should be there. It's a good, it's a good thing. Right. So you just kind of go with it. Right. I'm just curious because, you know, eventually I'd, I'd love to post something so people could find it, if not to watch it to buy it or to, to, I mean, I don't know how it works, but anyway, in the future, uh, we'll have the list up on uh, a way to get your hands on right. it whenever the public can get their hands on it. So, you, and then maybe I can buy it. Which yeah. Would be cool. Then you could get one too. <laughs> exactly. It'd be really nice <laughs> Christmas present kind of stuff. So anyway, and you haven't even seen it. I'm not, I've yeah. only seen pieces. Okay, cool. I was going to actually ask you if you had, uh, what the industry calls a screener. Oh. So I could have watched it before this, but you don't even you haven't even. Seen I don't it, even know so. what that is. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's the it's the pre copies that like critics. And oh people yeah, get, no. You know? But yeah, you There's don't even. I don't even. It. Yeah, like I said, I trust him completely. So I'm like, oh, it's fine. Although yesterday he scared me a little because we were walking over to this thing last night, and he's like, "Hey, just to give you a heads up, your shirt's off a lot in this one." And I'm like, well, "Why?" What do you mean? <laughs> And he's like, no, just uh, just so you heads up. I'm like, oh, damn it. Uh, okay, that's cool. Thanks for telling me now, because now I'm here. I'm fucked. Right, your shirt's off. 
Yeah. Well, if your shirt was because well, he he got me trained. Like so, obviously, when you have oh, to you do gotcha. rehab, you have to do a lot of training sure. to get because your body's so jacked up, and uh-huh. it's like teaching it to redo everything. Uh-huh. And so he would come in on these training sessions, and I was working with this Brad Jackson and mm-hmm. and on the front range, and um, you know, it's hot as hell, and you know, so we would be training, and Fitz was, and you forget he's there because he's sure. so good at what he does. They just kind of blend in, right? Well, yeah, you forget that stuff, and so right. then. Six months later, he's like, "Hey, oh, by the way, when it goes in front of 500 people who you don't know, your shirt's off quite a bit." And I'm like, "That's that's awesome. <laughs> that's all right. That's great. People are gonna be they're yeah. gonna be oh, impressed. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> or not. Uh, it's like shit. Cool. All right. Well, so how old are you? 46. 46. Damn, you don't look 40. All right. Anyway, you're from Loveland, Colorado, Loveland. which is north of north of Boulder. Yep. Um, you have a family. Got a family. Married, two kids. Wife and two kids. Yeah. Been got- married for. Uh, Going on 16 years. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Good job, man. She's a good lady. She's yeah, a great lady, right actually. And apparently, her and I have a small connection that she came in at the Colorado Mountain School right after I left. Right. When I was so. when we met, she was guiding. Well, she just started guiding, mm-hmm. and you had just left. Yeah, and, and you know, it's a possibility that we actually have met, because I was like in and out. And you had two kids, a boy, girl. Boy, uh, girl. But we were just joking about them. They're both pre- Oof. One's teen, a tween, and the other one's just coming in. Yeah. teenage years and I was making fun of Craig because yeah. I used to teach high school and I know what he's in you for. You know. Oh. <laughs> it's good. I mean, they're they're fantastic kids. They're, right they're so funny. They're just like, they don't like to climb, mm-hmm. which is funny to me. They're cool. I mean, yeah. our daughter's almost 14 and she's, like you said, uh, just like this whole world is beginning and it's like, oh, crap. Right on. Yeah, and you were telling Talk a story love. about her interface with this climbing community, you know? Could you tell us? They've, well, they've, gr- they've grown up around... <laughs> Climbers, you know, right. that's what we do. So they they just are so used to like people who live in their cars. Who pe- I mean, they're just like that's. It's not normal, but they're like, yeah, people do that. Well, if you want to go climb all the time, that's what you do. You live in mm-hmm. your car, and so that. But she can read them. Like, no, nope, we'll be at a climbing area, and she's like, yep, that guy's baked, or nope, <laughs> that guy's not. That guy, that guy's kind of cool, but that guy's a jerk. I mean, right. She won't. She won't say what I would probably say, but right. she'll be like, that guy's kind of full of himself. And uh-huh. She doesn't like people who, like, lots of people spray, and she's not super into that. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of funny. Like, she'll just sit quietly back and watch the whole thing unfold around the campfire. Mm-hmm. And then later, I'll, so what would you think of so-and-so? Mm-hmm. Oh, that guy's kind of a tool, and he thinks this, uh-huh. and he thinks he likes himself quite a bit. And I'm right. like, oh, okay. That's awesome, and a 14-year-old. This, yeah. And this <laughs> festival, like, we've never been to a film festival. Mm-hmm. I mean... I've, I mean, I've been to Real Rock and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But she, her comment to me was, well, so like, is, is everything like a climbing movie? Because I really don't want to watch that. And I'm like, yeah, it's three days of climbing movies. No, it's good stuff. Right, yeah. it's, I mean, they'd have loved that, uh, that Spillabong thing, surfing. Oh, I almost peed my pants last night. Dude. I was just like, oh my, get out of the water, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, is she coming? She'll be here. Yeah. So ho- today. She, yeah, she, hopefully she'll enjoy herself. Uh, so cool. So you're a family guy. So let's. What, what kind of climber are you? I mean, I I don't really know you as a climber. So what's your motivations? When I started climbing, I, was, I just I remember thinking, okay, I want to be able to do all of it. You know, I want right. to do all the disciplines. Mm-hmm. I don't want to focus on just bouldering or mm-hmm. trad climbing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I do everything. Um, and how I long think ago did you start? Twenty. Uh, like 24 years ago. Okay. Long time. Yeah, so we're right in there. Yeah. That's, I'm about 22. Yeah. And yeah. so I remember back then it was like you wanted to be solid in everything. Mm-hmm. And like I was on the East Coast then, so it was, you know. You, oh, yeah. Then they're definitely like. Yeah. You better be, be able to do it all, you know. Right. And so, and then move. even when I moved out here, I just thought, yeah, I don't want to do. 
because I would get bored. I think if I just did, if I just bouldered, I'd probably get bored if I just drag climb, whatever. So I like doing all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'll go through phases where I'll just do one and then bounce around and do mm -hmm. do the other stuff. All right. Well, let's um let's get into this accident. All right. Um, accident. So you again, the movie's coming from this rehab from a very serious accident. So Huge. can you sort of, sort of lead us into that? Um, how long ago it was, and uh, you know what what kind of went down? Two thousand two thousand and two. Mm -hmm. Um, was climbing with a buddy of mine who we climbed together forever, and mm -hmm. um. We were up in the park a lot, like almost every week we were up in the park, just kind of ticking routes off that we had heard about. And All right, this is an international podcast. We were in Rocky Greg. Mountain National Thank Park you. in the United States of America, <laughs> which is, yeah. Because in uh, Carbondale, the park is Rifle Mountain yeah. Park. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. No, not that. Okay, um, cool. So we were in Rocky Mountain National Park <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, a lot. And uh, we were just kind of like, okay, so like we had heard about this route, heard about that route. So we would go and do it. Mm -hmm. And um and we were kind of taking stuff off left and right and having mm -hmm. a blast mm -hmm. and got into July and uh, he wanted to do turnkey buttress on Sundance. Okay. Last rock on Lumpy Ridge. Okay. And so, oh, wow. You're way out there. Way the hell out there. Okay. And so blazed out there um, on July 21st and uh, hoofed it and got to the base and it was perfect day, you know, beautiful. Started up it and I felt kind of crappy that day. I don't know why. It just was one of those, you know, sometimes you've gone out and you're nervous. And mm -hmm. usually as soon as I tie in, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. But like I remember tying in thinking, nah, I just don't feel that great. And huh. first pitch is pretty easy, five nine, kind of scrambly thing. And got up into this sledge system. He takes off and we got four pitches and you're under a roof and got under the roof. And um, it, this big ass storm came trucking across the valley. And we just, we, I mean, you could watch it come. I've yeah, You've I used to guide it, yeah. on that thing. So, so you know, yeah. and you watch longs just disappear, and you're like, sure. we're going to get hammered. Right. And uh, so we were under a roof, so we just waited, and it just uh, opened up hail, grapple, rain, everything, rain, or wind-blown ropes mm -hmm. up. It was sucking, and the cracks we were in just started running with water. So we were like, okay, we're going down. So we went down, typical Colorado, got to the base. It stopped raining, mm -hmm. and the sun came out, dried everything pretty quick, and he knew about this climb called White Man, just up the hill a little bit. And sure. So we went up to White Man, and he had top roped it with someone before, and he's like, I think you should lead that. And it was totally dry. And okay. so I was like, yeah, that's cool. And walking up to it, he said, let's uh, let's top rope it. And so when I heard top rope I'm in my head, top rope to me means that uh, I'm going to lead it. I'm going to set a, an anchor up, mm -hmm. um, lower off, and then belay you from the ground. Sure. But I never said that to him because, right. again, we climbed – probably seven years together pretty lax on our belay commands all that walked over racked up took off led the climb got to the ledge which is 100 feet up and there's three bolts in the rock up there clipped in and when i clipped in i set it up as a almost like a sport climbing you know three to mm -hmm. a, th three draws into one center point sure equalized it ran my rope through and clipped into the whole thing and yelled off belay to him and he was like okay cool well by not clarifying top roping with sure. him, he was like, okay, so now I'm going to go up to him and right. we're going to wrap off together. Right. And so he unclipped, went over and got his shoes out of his backpack, right. which is totally normal. I mean, right. That's what I do. And uh, so I'm up there. I get every, make sure everything's equalized. Everything's ready to roll. I was going to clean my gear on my way down. That's what I was thinking. Sure. And uh, so I yelled, okay, it's all you thinking, okay, now I'm ready to be lowered. Right. I had my oh, stuff man. together. And so he goes... He didn't even look up. He said, I was looking at my backpack and he just turned around and went, okay, and yelled that. I heard, okay. So I'm like, okay. So he's oh, got me. So dude. I just pulled up. Yeah. Pulled up, sat, and that was it. And I remember when I sat, 
the anchor just started going, and I'm like, uh, shh, the anchor's going. And I remember thinking, he has just a ton of slack in the system right. for some reason. And I thought maybe he, like, you know, did one of those things where you just, you know, feed a lot of slack out so the guy can rig the anchor. And I kept thinking, okay, it's going to come tight here any minute. And it, it didn't, obviously. And so I start going and realizing I'm going. And just from bouldering and when you come off of something, I kind of pushed away from it because it's kind of just dead vertical. Mm-hmm. Pushed and uh, turned to, to look. And that's the last thing. Mentally, I remember, sure. and I, as I was falling, then I kind of it flipped me backwards, and uh, that got me going horizontal, kind of falling horizontally. Mm-hmm. And about twenty feet from the ground, there's a tree, and I hit the dead tree with my head, mm-hmm. so I landed standing on my feet, like right. I mean, literally, like the spot that I left from, I almost hit that again, augered into the ground, and just I hit so hard that my climbing shoes. The, the rubber on the bottom actually just exploded out. And all the bones, both ankles, uh, what is that called? This, uh, when the, it comes out of your skin. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a compound word for that. Compound fracture. fracture. Oh, so both Jesus. ankles and heels, compound fracture out. Then I crumpled it, and I hit so hard that my back actually didn't snap it. It crushed itself. <laughs> you look like you're going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to take a break after this. But... <laughs> I'm sweating. I am t- are you really? No, I'm just oh, laughing at I you. Know. <laughs> you're just so, like fine with it. I'm over here. My palms are sweating. I'm damn it. Little, little... Uh, no more blood. <laughs> no, it's not the blood. It's the it's whole. Always because in your climber, that's what you know. Uh, you know. And, uh, anyway, keep going. So I'll I hit, make it. Keep I hit going. so I'm going to be okay. <laughs> the, my spine kind of, the way I hit L2 is like right at your belly button. Um, that just, I hit so hard, it just collapsed it and crushed it and it sprayed it into my spinal canal. So that kind of folded me a little bit. And when it folds you, your head whips down. So that's, I broke my neck then at C6, punctured my lung on my right side because I broke my ribs on the right side. Basically, my right side just got destroyed, hit my elbow, tore up my, uh, your rotator cuff. My arm must have been down like this because it shoved my elbow up and just tore that. Then I just kind of crumpled down onto the ground and I had hit. Because the compound fractures, I ruptured the artery in my right leg. So Steve was like, oh, crap. And he runs over to me. And the next thing, yeah, he's like, I'm looking up. And the next thing I remember is he was just like right in my peripheral vision screaming at me. And I'm just like, shit, there's something stuck in my back. And it it just felt like there was a rock in my back. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, get get me off. I'm laying on a rock. Get me off this rock. And and he's like, okay, 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 okay. And he's trying to figure out what the hell to do. And so I'm losing (laughs) a ton of blood. Yeah, he's flipping out but he's he had been climbing a, a long time too had seen mm-hmm. accidents before mm-hmm. so he kind of kept his cool and got a sling put a tourniquet on my leg to kind of slow the blood flow and so lumpy is pretty long and we were about four miles yeah yeah you're way out there. you're way the hell out there. and there's no one out there sure that day. so he's there's no like, one climbs out there anyway. nobody climbs out yeah. there and he's just like oh okay he's like so here's what i gotta do i gotta get back to the truck drive into estes and get a rescue right and i'm like Okay, that's a good plan. So he, he, with a broken neck, a broken back, ribs, punctured lung, he puts his arms under my armpits, you know, and he drags me down off the talus into there's a dirt spot, a flat mm-hmm. spot, and he laid right. me there and uh, made me as comfortable as he could, slowed the bleeding as much as he could. And he's like, okay, I'll be back. And he starts to take off running, and he got about maybe, I don't know, he said like 20 yards. And he was like, whoa, wait a minute. He turns on, he comes back, and he had uh, packed a cell phone in his bag. I never... Uh, now I do, but I used to never carry a phone. Right. And he had a phone with him, and Sundance is about a thousand feet. We're in the 
in Rocky Mountain National Park, you know, crappy cell reception. He turns his phone on and he gets a signal, dials 911. They pick up right away and they patched him through to Rocky Mountain Rescue. And the guy who is the head of that answers the phone and his name's Eric Gabriel. And Eric's a climber, old, mm-hmm. old school climber, been up there forever. And uh, he was like, I-, I know exactly where they are. So just tell them not to move. And so we, he was on like a three-way call. And uh-huh. it, Eric was there uh, probably in 45 minutes. Because they can, they have a agreement with the McGregor Ranch. Sure to drive the in gate. there. Yeah, I had a trained EMT within forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. Bill Alexander, another EMT, was there probably ten minutes after Eric. But then you got to do the whole litter. I mean, because yeah, you guys uh, to describe this, you know, it's got there's a very nice flat valley, but to approach the climb, you've gone up this basically kind of steep switchbacky trail through like pine trees and right. steep steep rocks and things like that and then so, you get to the talus and you're in yeah the and then there's for talus a for a while so they they have a pretty significant uh litter carry to get you down to where that chopper is going to land so they had to lower off the talus and then even through the trees they had to go slow because i guess they anchor you they right. don't want to just like walk and yeah it's, it's too steep it's all that that protection of a spine injury um because i've been involved in those rescues when we were when i was guiding in estes yeah right. and they do all these controlled lowers on kind of bizarre the way that they uh it's not bizarre it makes sense but they anchor off of trees and then kind of pull the litter tensioned against these ropes so they can keep it really smooth and steady as they're as they're really still just going down like a you know it's a 45 degree like rock and talus slope but it takes i mean it's just takes a long time to get down five hours to get from the base of the climb to Mm -hmm. Where the chopper was. So yeah. are you during this? So they, they've got you stabilized in the litter, but and you're completely awake. awake. Well, and because I punctured my lung, you couldn't give me any pain meds. So Eric's like, the only, and I talk about this in the movie, the only thing, like, you know you're hurt, obviously. You're cold, number one. But mm-hmm. the only thing that hurt was my back. What happens is, you know, you're strapped down and so stuff comes into your peripheral vision. You can't see anything. And all of a sudden there's a face and he's like, hey, you know, how you doing? How you feeling? How you, we're getting you, we're moving, we're making progress. Uh-huh. So you, you're kind of aware, but he came in at one point during this five hours and said, do you want me to call your wife? And I was like, man, no, don't, don't call my wife. That's a bad idea. I don't want her to know I'm hurt. I don't even know what's going on. And he's like, okay. And he's gone. And then Steve is there for a little bit. And then, you know, you hear the other rescue. You hear it happening, but you don't have any clue. And all of a sudden, he comes back in again. And he's like, hey, do you want me to call your wife? And I remember thinking the second time, why did he ask me twice? And because, I mean, you you don't have anything else to think about. So then I was like, I wonder if he's asking me because I'm hurt really bad. And I'm like, then how bad am I hurt? You you don't have any idea because they don't tell you, oh, dude, you're Yeah, you're not going to make it to the chopper just to let you know. And that's what he's thinking. He's like, he's not going to live, so we should get his wife here. And and we've talked since that, and that's what he said to me. He was like, if I was dying, I would want to see my wife one more time. Well, he can't tell me that. So he's like, yeah, I think we should call your wife. And I'm like, okay, call her, fine. So then all of a sudden in my world, he leaves, and then all of a sudden my wife's there. And I'm like, hey. You know, right. she's like, everything's cool. The first thing she said to me was, everything's fine. The kids are with our friend Audrey. And she's like, uh, we're, they're just going to get you down. And I was like, okay. And I remember just thinking she looked really worried. And I, that kind of is in your head like, I wonder why she's so worried. And then you're out again. You're just kind of, you know, gone. And the next thing I know, we were at the chopper. You know, I just remember seeing the blades. Right. Turning. And they put me at that. Again, I had not felt my feet yet. And, uh, they get me onto the litter to go into the chopper and there's a bulkhead. They slide you in a 
like a, it looks like a little oven. Sure. And so I remember like looking and he, they picked me up and slid me in and my feet were sticking up like that and they hit the bulkhead. And that was when I was like, my feet are broken because it hurt so freaking bad. It was, it was like pain. I mean, that one to 10 scale doesn't they're even like, cut sorry, it. bro. Yeah. They're just like, shit, <laughs> we hit his feet, bloody feet. And so that was the, the flight nurse though was like, hold on. And I'm freaking screaming. And he's just like, hold on, hold on, hold on. And he just, he took some vitals. He's like, here we go. And he just put an IV in me and I remember seeing the syringe. Right. That's the last thing I remember. Now I was right. evidently awake because I gave him a bunch of information on the flight into sure. Poudre Valley. But um, yeah, that's the last thing I remember. And then the next thing I remember is waking up in ICU, just right. you know, opening my eyes and there's a doctor there, and I'm like, "What? You're so confused." And they don't they don't tell you you are jacked up. They're just right. like, "Okay, here's the deal." Here they talk really slowly because you're so medicated and morphine fog and. He just, he said, you broke your back mm -hmm. and you broke your feet really bad. And that's all he said. And he was like, we're just, we're working on, I was on a ventilator because I couldn't breathe. And so he, uh, he's like, you know, you're going to be on that until we get you stabilized. And, uh, they don't reveal much to you. They, Cindy knew everything. Obviously they, when they brought me in, they, doctor came out and he's like, you know, he's got about an hour to live. He's lost a lot of blood. What, what do you want us to do? And my poor wife had to fill out those papers, you know, that don't resuscitate him, don't, if he dies, he dies. I understand. You guys are doing everything you can. And that's what he said was, we're going to do everything we can. But. Well, so they were basically like, yeah, this guy's done for. Yeah. Because I had so much trauma to me. I had like both. I, well, no, I mean. I, feet, ankles, ribs, mm -hmm. back, neck, uh, tons of cuts, tons of uh, just cracked bones, mm -hmm. not even broken mm -hmm. bones, but just, you know, fractures here or there, that. And, uh, and then they're like, you know, he's probably got head trauma because he probably hit his head somewhere. Um, so they just said, you know, he, and I lost a lot of blood mm -hmm. and they, they just told her, you know, he's, he's very close to, to where we don't even know what we should do. And right. they, at that point they said, we should probably cut both his feet off right now because they're so badly damaged. Ugh. But luckily the one doctor said he's lost so much blood. Let's not do that because it's probably going to be bad. So the first thing they did was they decompressed your spine. So they have to pull it apart to get all that crap out of the anything that touches your spinal canal mm -hmm. gives you paralysis. So, yeah. um, like that guy last night film, uh, who the, broke his, film. Yeah, the skier uh, who broke his back. And mm -hmm. it was interesting to hear how he, his back just severed and then they fuse it. And so that's what they did to me too. They, they pull it apart, they clean it and then they fuse it. And mm -hmm. so I have, um, bars and rods and plate, uh, screws in my back for four levels. Uh, my lumbar spine, they screw that all back together, decompress it, clean it. And then, kind of hope for the best they flip you over and that's that's all they can do right and then they went to work on my feet so in that interim the guy who was going to cut my feet off said yeah either let's just wait let's just wrap them up and that's what they did they just basically kind of bandaged them and just said we're going to call that good and see if he lives through the night worry about that later yeah i mean yeah. it's like got bigger fish to fry yeah. at this point i mean let's see if he lives and and then it's a wait they, it's a waiting game you just you wake up and you're like you're in and out and in and out. And, you know, my wife was there. And then then all of a sudden my parents were there. Right. Which they don't even live in Colorado. They're in yeah, Delaware. So now you're yeah, like, yeah. And really you're just like, like okay. what the hell are they doing here? So and, let me back up real quick. Did you, how far did you fall? I've done that pitch. I mean, feet. it's a hundred, it's pretty even hundred, right? They taped it. Yeah. yeah. They, they, cause for the accident report, they had to tape it. And right. so, uh, Eric said, you know, we put the tape 
at the anchor and right. to the ground is 100 feet. So he's like, you know, your feet were probably at 98. So you should have died. Absolutely. Uh, like 50 different times. Yeah. Well, that there's day. that old adage of, you know, if you fall 10%, you have a 10% chance of dying. 20, okay. 30 feet. You can do the math. I mean, I fall 100 feet, you should be dead. But because I landed standing, that that's like your body, like it's it's a shock absorber. In, and it just, in terms of your vital parts, it just all crushes down. So if you land on your back or your side, it just collapses and crushes. right. All your organs are done for. But your feet, you have Holy a chance cow. to soak up that shock sure. wave. Um, and it and it, and like a lot of roofers do that. They'll they'll come off a roof uh. and they land standing, and that's how they live. Because, I mean, you can. I've I've met guys who have fallen. Heck, I met a guy who fell. Uh, shoot six feet mm-hmm. and he's completely paralyzed it's right. quadriplegic and right. so you're like how the hell does that happen i mean right. i don't even understand that but it's just our bodies do this weird thing like if you that and one of my friends is an engineer and he's like he kind of did the math and he's like you hit the ground from 100 feet going that far with rope drag because that little like bit 15 little bit uh 15 or 16 pieces in He's like, you probably hit the ground going 50 to 55 miles an hour that's like a that's a freaking speed limit and yeah right. and he's like you know, you should just be destroyed. And you were, I mean, obviously you I were. was destroyed. Right. But uh, once you're back in ICU, then they just wait. They're mm-hmm. just kind of like, okay, let's see what happens. Kind of what was going through your wife's mind? She's, she said, you know, it's, you kind of go on autopilot. Like uh-huh. they, she's like, they're telling you this stuff, but she said, you're, you're kind of like, okay, I have to react to this now. And, and I'm going to react to this little piece and that's it. And she's like, because the like the big picture, you can't even see it. You're just like, oh my gosh, this is so jacked up. I'm just going to focus on what that guy said to me just now. And so she said it was just more or less, okay, solve the the problem that we're dealing with right now. There's mm-hmm. so many things that we have to deal with. She's like, let's just focus on these minutiae. So, okay, so today they're going to fix his back. Fine, let's work okay. on that. Tomorrow we're going to talk about, do we take the trach tube out? Let's not even talk about that till tomorrow, but then okay. tomorrow rolls around, we'll talk about that. Um, and she just kind of kept, she's very task-oriented, and so mm-hmm. she's very... Like they, they didn't give her a long term. They did say, you know, he's probably paralyzed because of his spinal injury. And, right. you know, they don't tell me that they tell her that. Right. And, uh, told my folks that, and, right. you know, so from my perspective, it's like, you're just fogged. You're just like, mm-hmm. you know, you can't really feel anything cause you're so doped up. And, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know my, I knew my feet were hurt, but the one day I woke up and there was a nurse, she was there every time I woke up, it seemed, um, and I still had to trade tube in, but they had given me a notepad so I could write questions. Mm-hmm. In my head, I'm like, I wonder how bad my feet are busted. And so I, uh, she, I, I asked her, I wrote down, uh, I asked her how bad my feet were. I think I questioned her that way. And she's, she said, they're broken pretty bad. And I was like, okay. So then I did that. You know that Yellow Pages thing where you walk like this? I sure. did that. And she's, right with your fingers. Yeah, yeah. like my, my fingers are yeah. walking. And she started crying. She like, not like sobbing, but she teared up. And I was like, who's this? The nurse. The nurse? And I'm like, no, why the hell is the nurse crying? And I'm like, shit. And she's like, you know, your feet are broken really bad. What I didn't know was at that point, my right leg had a, it had just in the heel, 11 screws mm-hmm. and two plates. Mm-hmm. My left foot had a big screw anchoring it together and just holding it. Mm-hmm. And so she just said, you know, we're going to, we have to wait and see. She okay. didn't say you're paralyzed. She didn't say you're going to lose your right. leg. She just was like, they're really messed up. And right. so I was like, ah, uh, man, she's upset. That's kind of weird that she's upset. And then, you know, another day or so go by and they find, I could find, breathe on my own. So they take the trach out and then I could talk, which was fantastic. Cause then I could ask questions. And right. 
they're kind of dosing you down on drugs and they're trying to figure out my feet at that point. And they, they would come in and, um, debreed them. So like they open all the wounds up and take all the crap out of sure, them. Sure. Sure. Sucks. Right. Um, they medicate you really hard and then mm-hmm. they do just sits there and cleans them and mm-hmm. it's like hell on earth. And did that a couple of times. And then he's like, yeah, you know, your right foot, your left foot, we can keep that. We'll take the hardware right. out. We don't want to keep it in there, but your right foot's pretty messed up and let's just see what happens. And I was in the hospital for two weeks, went from ICU to orthopedic care. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, they were like, you have to leave now because you're stable, but you're not well. You can't go home. So right. they sent me to like a assisted living thing sure. and I went there. There I was there for two months and just PT and OT and learning to walk again. And- okay. So let's uh, let me go back again. Um, a quick laundry list. So... Your oh, spine is one. fused. Spine is my spine's fused for four levels. My neck was broken at C six, and we didn't fix it because I didn't want any more hardware. The all the nerves that go through there. So what happens is like if I lay down at night, like my hands, you know, like if you climb a lot, you get your hands kind of curl up. Mm-hmm. When I wake up, I can only sleep about two hours at a clip, and so what happens is everything gets like pins and needles and falls asleep really bad, and mm-hmm. it kind of hurts and. The, the nerve presses down and it makes my hand into a fist kind okay. of thing. So when I wake up, I look like a monkey. I got to kind of break them apart uh-huh. a little bit. And it's just like scar tissue and it just didn't heal well. Right. Um, so the right side is more numb than the left side. Okay. And so it's just kind of weird. Pins and needles. I usually wake up with a headache. Mm-hmm. Or left foot, all the hardware was removed. Uh-huh. So that foot kind of self-fused mm-hmm. uh, laterally. So mm-hmm. I don't have as much movement left or, or kind of to the sides on trails and things. Right. Um, but I do have pretty good up and down but it's it's uh the bones all were broken so bad they healed together but Mm -hmm. it's kind of not they didn't heal real well so there's lots of like bone spurs and scar tissue and all that fun stuff um and then the right leg that never healed Mm -hmm. i mean it it was i was in a cast for 18 months okay and they said we got to a part where they're like okay so that's it that's as much as we can do i had 11 12 surgeries it's basically screws, plates, and bone putty. Right at the bottom. I couldn't move my toes at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the foot was just kind of fused straight out, and so they were like, "Well, you know, you're not, you can't even wear a shoe, really. So we'll make right. you a cast, like a smaller cast that you can put on and off." And they made that, and it looked like a Frankenstein boot. It just sucked. And uh, in that interim time, I was like, "Man, do I want to climb again? Do I? What do I think about that?" And Cindy and I talked about that at length, you know, and she was like, if you never climb again, totally understand that. But we met climbing and right. that was a huge part of who we are. It's okay. a huge part of who I was. And I was like, man, you know, so this thing bit me in the ass pretty good here. And now what do I want to do with it? And I still liked it. I liked the idea of climbing, but I was like, man, I don't, I don't know that I'll tie in again. And, and that would go through my head. And then it'd be, there'd be days like, I'm like, well, of course I'm going to tie in again. I can't not do that. Right. And, uh, fighting with that back and forth. But then them saying to me, yeah, you're not going to climb anymore. And I was like, well, I don't understand that. Why? And they're like, well, because A, your back is fused at a junction where if you break it again, you're going to be a paraplegic for sure. And if you hit your right leg again, even like just hit it hard, it'll shatter. Oh, man. So I'm like, uh, okay, well, we'll just see what happens, I guess. So up until for six, six months, I wore a shell. A, mm-hmm. metal, a plastic thing that kind of kept me upright and protected all the fusion and stuff. Um, and as soon as I got that off, we went up to, we went camping up in Wild Iris. Mm-hmm. It was oddly enough in July again. 
went up there and um, we were climbing and I had sort of thought I'd climb. I had a walking boot on my foot mm-hmm. at the time and I was, man, maybe I'll climb again. I don't know. I just want to go around and be around climbers again. Went up there and it was super cool just sitting at the campfire, you know, hanging out with the kids and with Cindy and with our friends and they were climbing and I was belaying and everything was cool. And uh, our daughter actually climbed this route, this little chunky 5'8 up there, super short, probably 40 feet. And I belayed her and she lowers off of it and she hits the ground and just looks at me really fast and goes, are you going to climb that? You're going to give it a try? And she caught me so off guard. I hadn't thought about it. Right. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to. Yeah, I'll give that a go. And I'm like, shit, I'm going to give that a go. Okay. So I tied in and uh, our friend Jeff was belaying me and, and he's just like, he looks at me and he's like, dude, I have you. I've, I've got you. No worries. No nothing. I'm like, okay, it's cool. Don't worry about it. So I put my shoe, climbing shoe on my other foot and the climb starts off kind of blocky. So I kind of was just pulling myself up on the blocks and I was like, okay, this is sort of normal. But then it gets a little bit vertical and kind of pulling up and I just shook my way. As soon as I started to actually have to pull, I was just shaking. I was so right. scared. I mean, I think I went through like a block of chalk on that climb. I was so just scared shitless and got up to the anchor. But you kept going. I kept going. Oh, it was a little at a time. Right. Like I would go and be like, okay, 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 I'm, I'm good. And I'd move a couple moves and stop and move a couple moves and stop and, and uh, you know, check my knot like 500 times. And I got to the anchor and wild iris is pretty well bolted and mm-hmm. there were uh there were two bolts and sure you know two bolts with two draws and i was like shit this is right where i was when i when i fell it bolts in the rock anchor i'm looking at it again and i'm just like okay get up to that anchor and you're you're kind of on a rail and and you have to obviously sit down in your oh. harness and i'm just like okay i'm gonna sit and I looked back at my buddy Jeff and his eyes, I mean, he looked like, he was just like, I, I mean, he had me on a Grigri and he's like, I've got you really good, man. No worry. And I'm like, okay, let go. And I'm just like, I can't let go. And I'm like, just let go. And I'm like, shit. And I look down and he's just, I mean, he's watching me a hundred percent. And right over here, what I didn't realize was the trail kind of went up a hill mm-hmm. and Cindy had walked up this hill. So she was kind of looking across at me and you know how like you can hear everything on a cliff. She just said, you're fine. You're totally fine. And I looked over and she's just looking there smiling. And I'm like, okay, yeah, she's right. And I just let go. And I sat and I was like, holy shit, I didn't fall. Okay, we're good. And then Jeff just starts to lower me and her and I just talked. And she was like, you're fine. Everything's cool. And I just, you know, walked down, got to the bottom and Jeff hugged me. I hugged Mm -hmm. Jeff. Okay, okay. And I, she comes running down. She hugs me, and she and she's like, "What do you think?" I'm like, "I'm never doing that again. That's it. I'm fucked. <laughs> that is insane. I can't do this anymore." And right. I was just like shaking and sweating, and I was happy but terrified. And we climbed the rest of the day. They climbed. I didn't climb anymore. I just remember thinking there were parts of that I really liked again, but mm-hmm. there it was so terrifying. Oh my god, do I want to do this again? Mm-hmm. And uh, went home. Didn't really think about it and still had this stupid cast on and uh, trying to figure out what I was going to do with, you know, life in general. And uh, I, I'll just wait, I guess, and classic wait and see. Um, but then all of a sudden I started to get this really bad, really, really bad pain in my leg. And uh-huh. it was not like normal. Like I was used to pain because I would get up every morning, take a bunch of drugs, get out of bed to get me functioning because I have so much crap done to me. Your body just doesn't work the same. This pain was so different. It was so intense and, and just hot. And I was like, shit, something's wrong. I call my doc and he's like, uh, you probably are infected. And if you're infected, your leg's coming off. 
today. And we had sort of talked about that, but not really. Wow, that that's so interesting to me that because I just assumed that you you know went through this whole thing and and woke up one day and and they'd taken your leg off. No, nope. so this is I had it. Wow, and I had it and thought, you know, this will work. Mm-hmm. I guess you know mm-hmm. I'm not obviously not going to be the person I was before. Right, I f- have to figure that out. But yeah, they they said you know you can keep it, but if you keep it, no more climbing, no more biking and no more skiing and no I was more like, Shit, i mean that's my whole life right yeah. like, but so i mean like, it sounds like it was it would almost be fragile that it's almost like yeah no more anything well and like I mean, even like walk, i'm a yeah i'm a photographer and so i would walk for work and they sure. and they're like well you know you gotta like if you step off a curb wrong you'll break your foot and right I'm like, well, yeah that's no way to live that huh? sucks and so like wow. my quality of life like like basically what happened was they took all three things that with with the exception of my family i had my family and mm-hmm. that was rock solid like my support group was huge but they're going to take the three things that I love to do and mostly climbing and say, eh, you can't do that anymore. Right. And I was like, I just don't see that happening. But I, uh, again, I wasn't ready to pull the trigger on, yeah, let's cut my leg off. That'll, sure, sure. That'll, yeah. that'll work really yeah, no well. Worries. We'll get rid of that. Yeah, it shouldn't take long. And uh, he's like on the phone, he's like, you need to come into the office. And I'm like, okay. So I go in and he's like, we're going to do blood work. And so I, they, they tap me, they take the blood out and he's like, we're going to rush this through. If you're infected, he's like, the leg comes off right away because we don't want it to spread. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh shit, this is insane. Like and, today, yeah. He's like, like tomorrow, like you're right, here today. Right, yeah. You're gonna go home tonight. Come back tomorrow. We're gonna do that. And I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. After everything. After everything. Right. This is so. This is about 16 months after right. the accident. And so I go home. I'm like, oh crap. This is Cindy and I are talking about. It. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. But then he uh, he goes on the way out as an afterthought. He goes, if it's not infected, I think I know what's wrong. And he's like, I don't want to talk about that. Just wait. And so I go home. He calls me the next morning. He's like, you're not infected. You need to go see this other doctor now. I'm like, who is this doctor? And he's like, his name is Dr. McIntosh. He is a neurosurgeon. I'm like, why the hell do I have to go to see, to see a neurosurgeon? My leg hurts. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, trust me. So I go see this guy. I make an appointment and like neurosurgeons, you can't ever get to see them. They're right. always freaking, they're whatever, overbooked, whatever. He's like, yeah, we can see you today. I'm like, shit, wow. why can I go see him today? That's weird. So I drive to his office, go in. He walks in and he's like, uh, they're like kind of like climbers or socially uh, retarded. What what, uh, what practice? He is uh, Macintosh. Is um, do you know front range neuro? Oh, okay, neurosurgeon. I used to guide a guy at um, Intermountain Neurosurgery. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so do you know what they're like? Yeah. They're so smart. They're right. like socially retarded smart. Mm-hmm. And so he comes in and he's like, "Tell me what's going on." And I, he's like, "Tell me about the accident." I tell him about the accident. He's like, tell me what the pain feels like. I tell him what the pain feels like. He's like, okay, I know what it is. And he's like, wait here. And he he leaves. Like that's weird. He comes back in with a sheaf of papers. Like, somebody yeah, tell me. Somebody what the fuck freaking is going say on. something. <laughs> but he comes back with it. It's like a big ass thick piece of sheaf of papers. And he sets it down. He goes, you have something called RSD, reflective sympathetic dystrophy. He said it's a nerve disorder that you get from heavy trauma. The nerve, when they restitch it together, it only remembers the last impulse, which was hitting the ground, oh, going 50-something miles an hour. And he said, so here's what's going to happen. You're going to have this the rest of your life. You're going to be on a drug called Neurotin the rest of your life. It's going to progress up through your body, and in six months, you're going to be in a wheelchair. My PA will be right in. It's nice to meet you. And he turns out and he walks out. That is not an exaggeration. He just walks out, and I'm just like, what, what the f- 
what the f- what the f- and like so house. he's yeah I'm just uh, before house happened right. and I'm just like and he leaves me I'm looking at this paper and I'm just like holy shit so Sorry, I don't laughing. know no it's funny trust me it's funny so then maybe a minute later his PA comes in this wonderful woman yeah she's walks like in sorry she's about just, that yeah guy. she's just like oh my gosh every I time know, I come in an office yeah, I'm the freaking like, A-bomb just went off he, she's like look here's what it is it's reflective sympathetic dystrophy is a nerve disorder yes the way we combat it is with drug therapy and with activity she's like you're a very active guy you want to be act- you can be active we want you to be active it what what happens is the nerve gate opens in your brain and it can't close. The drug will help to control that seizure point, but it's going to flare up. And when it flares up, you're not going to do anything. And I said, well, what if I amputate my leg? And she's like, you could get above it. Maybe doubtful. And they gave me the drug that, you know, right there in the office. They're like, here's, here's a sample of the drug. We want you to take it. Cause it was like, it would flare up every minute or so. And it freaking just dropped me to the ground. I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I, and the whole time I'm like, they're, they're full of shit. These guys are totally wrong. So I popped two of these pills. I, by the time I got in my truck, the nerve, it stopped hurting. Okay. And I'm like, oh crap. Okay. So they're right. That sucks. Drive home, walk in. So like, all we've had is bad news. I walk in and Cindy's there. I'm like, Hey, so we got it figured out. Here's what it is. Show her this paper. And I'm like, basically I'm hosed. And she's just like, you've got to be kidding. I mean, you get to that point where you're just like, this is freaking stupid and you don't know what to do. And so I just remember thinking, well, I need to freaking do something. And so I was like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to cut my leg off and see what happens because then I could at least, at least make a decision. I hadn't made a decision in sure. 18 months. I'm like, sure, this sure. is ridiculous. And so dude, when in- I, hold on for just a second. <laughs> this is the most incredible story, dude. Seriously. Oh, like, no, it's weird. I'm so glad you're sitting it's here. so weird. That's incredible that you, you get to that point right. where you're just like, I mean, this is ridiculous. This is why Fitz thought it was such a weird story. He's just like, that's insane. You know, and you just get to this point where you're like, I need to get a little control here. Mm-hmm. And it's so as jacked up as it is that I'm going to cut my leg off, at least I can say to them, hey, I want to cut my leg off because I'm sick of this shit. This is ridiculous. And uh, went into my, made an appointment with my doc, my orthopedic, mm-hmm. and went in and I was like, I need to talk with you. And he's like, okay. And his name was Doug Lundy. Awesome dude. And um, I walk in, sit down. I'm like, all right, here's what I'm thinking. I want to climb again and I need to cut my leg off to do that. And I need to do that because I might get above the RSD. You need to cut your leg off to climb again. I need to cut my leg off so I can I go mean, back. I mean, that's like the quote. There it is. I need that's to a cut my leg right off there. to climb again. Like, and and that's he incredible. Well, but like, here's the cool part. I, mean, I understand why. Right. But you well, you got just to go. That point. Your, yeah. Your quality of life sucks. I right. mean, you're just like shit. Do I want to sit on a couch the rest of my mm-hmm. life and be like, like I couldn't even chase my kids. I mean, the, the like sure, my, sure. they would run for me. I'm like. Yeah. See you later. Yeah, bye. <laughs> Daddy can't do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, so you're just like, this is ridiculous. And, and again, our whole world revolves with climbing. And so, like, all of our friends are climbers. Most of them are climbers. And so you're seeing these people do these things, and you're like, it, my head is warped enough that I go, I still want right. to do that. That's still badass looking. Right. And so I'm like. So you're going to one-up Caldwell. Yeah. He cuts his exactly. finger off. Exactly. You're like, fuck that. I'm going leg. But that little. <laughs> bastard took my parking probably he's got a handicap tag i'm sure um and i hope he's listening to this we just had breakfast it's okay Um, tommy knows i love him and so my doctor looks at me and he goes get up and i'm like get up okay we get up and he's like let's go we're gonna go right now come on and we walk out of his office and we walk over to his nurse and he's like when do i this was november he's like when do i operate in december and she flips the page she's like december 2nd he's like put him in for eight o'clock 
And I'm like, whoa, whoa, Doug, I just was making the decision. That's right. next month. He's like, don't, do not wait. Just if you're going to do this, let's do sure. this. And I'm like, okay, you're right. He's right. Okay, write it down. So she writes it down. I even got one of those little appointment cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, December don't forget. 2nd. <laughs> don't, don't, <laughs> yeah, forget. Yeah, don't be late. <laughs> and so I'm just like, you got the phone yeah, call. Damn it. The Remember your amputation <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> so I'm like, God dang it. So I go home and Cindy knew I was going to, Cindy was like, you know what? If you're going to do it, I fully support that. It's fine. Uh-huh. Go home. That month was just hell on earth. I'm not, I'm, I, I can't even, you never don't think about it. You're constantly like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I met with guys. I met sure. with like Malcolm Daly who lost right. his leg. Met with another guy who got run over by a boat. He, he was fresh off of it. So he was just like, you know, the first couple months, you're going to really question what you're doing, but it'll get better. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's cool. And everyone kind of gave me, this is what it's like when you wake up and it's going to be weird. You're going into this different. Well, it must be, there must be a certain, like you said, control that you have of this decision, right. but also, you know, because it's not on the fly as a result of trauma. I mean, they must be able to do it in a, in such a way as to accept the prosthetic and do you know what I, well, I mean? Yeah. Is that true or am you, I just pulling you go, that? No, you, you're actually right on the mark. You, what I did was when I decided I went and mm-hmm. met with prosthetic, a prosthetic maker in Windsor, mm-hmm. Colorado. He said, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want to climb again and ski again right. for sure. And I'd like to mountain bike again. He's like, okay, yeah. So what we'll do is you want to cut your leg off. All my right. junk was, Here, yeah. Whatever. He's like, you want to go eight inches below your patella tendon because what that will allow is that you can then fit a prosthetic that is beefy enough to do the things you want to do. I'm like, okay. So I went back to my doctor and said, okay, I want to do, you know, eight inches below the patella tendon. And that's what, and he's like, yeah, we're going to do that. And then they did a, a special surgery called an ertal procedure where they make your, your tibia and your fibula, they bridge it like a motorcycle strut. And what they used to do was they called it a guillotine amputation, which is really exactly what they would do. They would just go straight across. Cut across, yeah. So now you have two distal ends that move and are painful. And so like typically if you would take a person who cut their leg off and touch the bottom of their stump, it would hurt really bad. Sure. So what they, this guy figured out was that if you did that and then take part of the bone and bridge it across and kind of weld it there. Sure. Then take all the nerves and pull them up into the leg and they kind of equate it to making like an ice cream top. They mm-hmm. pull it back and swirl it. Mm-hmm. You make that end more durable. And okay. that's what I wanted durability because sure. I knew I was going to be climbing. I knew I was going to be falling on it and all that stuff. And so. And impacting onto to skis. Exactly. Yeah. All that's right. mountain biking, you right. know, you're hitting Bumping the pedals. And, mm-hmm. and so, uh, went and did the surgery. Oh, well, leading up to the surgery, just got as much information as I could and then, um, waited. And then the week before, classic, like, oh, shit, I'm not going to do it. Because, like, you realize, I don't have to do this. No one's forcing me to do this. And then I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to do it. It's okay. I'm fine. I'm going to do it. And so kind of prepped the kids and said, you know, dad's going to go in and this is what it's going to be like. And, um, you know, they were pretty okay with it. They knew, I mean, they had seen this whole process. So this wasn't probably that out of the realm for them at Mm -hmm, that point. mm -hmm. Um, But December 1st, man, like the night before, I'm just flipping out. I mean, just cold sweats they give you meds to kind of chill you out i'm sweating i know right now i'm i have goosebumps again actually thinking about it and so i'm just like shit i'm not gonna i can't do this there's no way and uh you have to shave your leg so i shave my leg and i'm just and you you shave it kind of where they're gonna cut it off and you're just i'm just like this is not right and uh went to bed sort of um took the drugs went to bed got up at four in the morning couldn't sleep was just like i don't know if i can do this and cindy gets up and 
hug the kids, got in the car and we're driving there. And I'm just like not talking. Cindy's trying to talk to me and keep me calm. And we get in there and I lay down on the gurney. It's like 7.30 in the morning. And uh, the nurse comes in. She's like, I need to see your leg. And I'm like, okay. She pulls my leg up, uh, pulls the gown over. And she's like, okay, we need to reshave it. You're not quite close enough yet. And I'm like, okay. So she shaves it. And she hands me a Sharpie. She's like, I need you to put an X on your leg for me. And I need you to sign your name. Right. And I'm like, why? That's the new procedure. And yeah, she's yeah. like, it's because we, yeah. we know then you're saying cut my leg off and this is the leg. And I'm just like, okay. So I put an X on my leg and I sign my f- name. And it's the most otherworldly that you're just like, holy shit, I'm signing my leg so you cut it off. And she's like, are you, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not okay. I'm a, look at me. I mean, like, I'm a mess. And she's like, okay. She's like, I can't give you anything until your doctor gets here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you, Okay. So I'm laying there, you know, talking to Cindy's right here, talking to me. And I'm just like, shit, 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 shit. About the time in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm going to get up. Mm-hmm. Uh, my doctor, Doug, he just comes through the curtain. He looks at me and he puts his hands on my shoulders. He's like, you're doing the right thing. I know this is messed up. He's like, you're doing the right thing. Trust me. And he, he just looked at the nurse and she hit something. Right. And I was just like, just like a bunk. <laughs> and that was it, man. I was like, gone. But yeah, we, uh, and, uh, you know, they, they take me in and I was sedated, but I was awake. And cause I'd been through so many surgeries where we go rolling in and I, I like, I knew the, <laughs> I knew the OR team. Yeah, I'm like, Fellas, what's up? <laughs> Craig's back. And I roll in there and like the, you know, you're drunk and you're just like, everybody can cut my leg off today. And Hey Frank, how's it going? And you know, they start talking to me and the, his PA was this really cool guy. And he's, he's emotional there because he's, you know, he told me later, he's like, it kind of sucked because he's like, you know, we worked on you for so long and you feel like, oh shit, this guy's going to be okay. And he's like, then you have to cut your leg off. And I was like, no, you know, it's fine. It's, it's, this is, it's okay. It's amazing drugs you got. It's great drugs. (laughs) So they, you know, they, then they black you out and everyone told me like the worst part was when you wake up. So when you wake up and you look down, your leg's not there. It's jacked up. And I'm like, okay. So in my head, I was kind of preparing for that. And uh, I woke up and they had a spinal, so you mm-hmm. can't feel anything from your waist down. Mm-hmm. And I wake up and I look down and it's flat there. Uh, uh, that's okay. I'm all right with that. You know, you look at your other leg and you're like, right. there's my leg. There's my not leg. There's right. my leg. And you're kind of trying to figure that out. And you're like, I'm okay. But the thing that struck me was up until that point, I, I always hurt. Everything mm-hmm. hurts. Mm-hmm. And so I woke up and I was like, I feel great. I mean, I feel like from the waist down, couldn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. From here up, I was on morphine. So I was like, God, I feel, I feel good. And the doctor's like, how do you, what do you think? And I'm like, I'm all right. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll go home right now. And he's like, well, we're going to probably keep you overnight. <laughs> kind <laughs> of a big surgery. Yeah, we just cut your leg. I'm like, that's fine. I'll just watch TV, but I feel pretty good. Right on. He's like, okay, because we're going to unplug that thing from your back here pretty quick. And I'm right. like, whatever, I don't care. So we go upstairs, you know, and I'm like, you know, all happy and psyched yeah you're totally full of shit you have no idea what's coming and you're just like and they all do they're just like okay asshole you're gonna hate life and they put me in my room Cindy's like well you're doing great I'll just pick you up in the morning I'm like okay give her a big kiss and she leaves and I'm like you know hanging and they're turning that knob down the whole and I'm like not and they're like so here's your button for your morphine drip so just when it hurts you hit I'm Mm -hmm. like yeah I know how to use them I don't even know if I'm gonna need that they're like okay we're going to turn this down now. And I'm like, oh, God, yeah, just whatever. So they take it off. And about, I don't know, sometime later, 
that block <laughs> stopped. And I was like, holy crap, I cut my leg off. And it <laughs> felt like I cut my leg off. And it was like, oh, my God, it was so painful. I mean, that morphine thing, you can only do every 15 minutes. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, you know, you're mm-hmm. pushing it every 30 seconds. You're right. just like, it's not working. It's not working. Something's wrong, yeah. Three bags of morphine later, the the doc the nurse is like, we can't give you any more morphine. You're gonna die. Right. You know, your lungs. What it, it depresses your breathing. Sure. She's like, you 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 can't have any more. And I'm like, you don't understand how bad this hurts. And she's like, yeah, I know I do. But she's like, I don't know what to do. So they mm-hmm. call my doc at four in the morning, wake him up, and he's like, bring in the anesthesiologist. And that guy came in, and they gave me another spinal. Okay. And they weaned me off it real slowly, and that worked better. Right. And much better. When I mean, I remember he came in. He was like, "Look, I, I'm supposed to tell you there's a risk of paralysis." I'm like, "Just shove the thing in my head. Just do it. Just do <laughs> it. I don't care, man." Which part of my body do yeah, I sign this Yeah, if this, this doesn't time? work, it's fine. <laughs> Either way, I'm not gonna feel this. And uh, so he, yeah, they fixed me up. And then you, obviously, you go home and you do, and then you're back to rehab right. again. You know, you learn to walk again, mm-hmm. which is which is messed up. But you know. You go through the rehab process. You get a leg for the first time. Uh-huh. And they kind of like trick you out like, okay, here's how you're going to walk again. Here's how this all works. You have to figure out your center of balance because you're you, now with a fused back, uh, a neck that doesn't work, and a, now missing a leg. It kind of is weird. Your your balance obviously shifts. Uh-huh. So you have to figure out, oh, now when I walk, I have to look down. I have to make sure I know where I'm putting my feet because so, I'll trip and look like an idiot. And sure. so you just like nuances of things like mm-hmm. how do you go up steps? How do you go down steps? How mm-hmm. do you how do you take a shower? Mm-hmm. How do you go to the bathroom at night? Mm-hmm. All these things like you have to figure out, okay, you can't because I can't hop. So like most amputees would hop, but my other ankle's jacked up pretty bad. So I can't hop on it because it would hurt it too much. And right. so with, with me being so banged up, I, it's like I have to figure out different ways to do things. And that was like, Going back to climbing was like that. It was like, okay, so obviously I can't climb like I used to climb. Because I used to just be pretty thuggy and just try to pull through stuff. And sure. Now all of a sudden, like, my feet don't work the way I want them to. My back doesn't work the way I want it to. Because of all the nerve damage in my neck and arm and shoulder, my right side doesn't. Like, I'm weaker going to my right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, so now I have to climb smarter. I have to climb more efficiently. And that was kind of a cool... It, it was a really way, great way for me to focus on something other than like constantly being in pain because, again, all the trauma, all the drugs I have to take every day. And, I mean, it's been nine years. I still take the same drugs every day. I have to take painkillers three times a day. I take something to regulate my uh, just the spinal compression stuff, sure. um, all the nerve stuff. Um, you know, so you, you take this battery of crap. Right. So let me ask you this. So you go <clears throat> you, you – we talked about that first climb at Wild Iris and – so now, where does the first step come after you after you've you've come out? You've got this prosthetic. W- what was the first step towards climbing? I mean, because you went from I'm never doing this again. Right. I just accomplished one little mini goal by getting to that anchor, but I'm done for good. Right. To, I mean, how did climbing appear again? I think what happened was I well, we went away from Wild Iris. Then I was focused on you know amputating, and right. so then I did that, and then. I was like, okay, so now I'm so, quote unquote solid again. Mm-hmm. Like I can walk, I'm ambulatory, I can do, I can take pictures again, which is my job. I can sure. do my life. So now like uh, I'm trying to figure out like before I got hurt, I was like, okay, I was a dad, I was a husband, I was a photographer and I was a climber. Those, mm-hmm. are, If you were to ask me, that that was what I was. Um, all, I mean, off the record, I would have said I was also very self-involved. I was, you know, my plans were were 
paramount in my mind, you know, like I wanted to, if I had a goal, that was what I wanted to do. You know, that was where I was pushing towards with climbing. And, um, now all of a sudden I'm like, okay, so I can't, I'm, I'm probably not going to climb like I used to climb. I'm not going to be able to do what I used to do. So now what, I, what am I, if I'm not those things, you know, what am I? So I knew I was a dad and a husband still. I knew I was a photographer, but I didn't know if I was a climber. And I, I kind of just wanted to explore that and just see, okay, am I going to do that again? Is that going to be a big part of who I am? And Cindy and I, you know, spoke at great length. And she, she said to me many times, you know, if you don't climb, I totally understand that. That's not going to affect our marriage. It's, it'll be interesting because that's what we, we do a lot together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wanted to just make the decision on that. I didn't want the accident to be the thing that said, when people said, why don't you climb? I didn't want to say, well, I was in this really bad accident. And I didn't want my kids to hear me say that. I didn't want them to be like, yeah, my dad got wrecked and that was it. He's, he plays Xbox now, you know? It's, right. Not that I don't like Xbox, but I didn't want that to be my defining thing in my life. And so I kind of said, okay, well, let if I'm going to climb, what do I need to do? And so I went back and with the prosthetic designers made a, a really rudimentary climbing foot. I liked the boulder a lot. So I went back to the Horsetooth Reservoir and I started bouldering just by myself. I would never tell anyone I was going. I would just take a pad, go up by myself and just start moving around again on the rock. And everything was different. You know, I couldn't high step anymore. I couldn't heel hook anymore. I couldn't do all these things that were second nature to me as a climber, but I had to reinvent that stuff. And after a couple months of that, I was like, okay, I think I want to go back to a rope and see what that's like. And Cindy obviously knew I was climbing. So I, her and I started top roping again. I wasn't allowed to lead anything because if I took any kind of leader fall, they were afraid I'd break something. What about even just jumping down onto a pad must have been? Yeah, I didn't, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't, I would traverse, so low, I would stay low, low right, super right. low. Okay. And, and, and still mentally I was like, yeah. shit, I don't know what I want to do here. I don't even like <laughs> dropping onto a pad. It's painful, my, I've man. never broken any of those it's parts painful. of me. It's yeah. painful. And like, and when I would hit the pad, it was uh, like a, uh, you know, right. the next day I would have trouble walking because my sure. stump would hurt so bad. And sure. So there was just that whole learning curve of, okay, so I think this is how this all works. And like, then I started asking, like looking around at other climbers who had lost their legs. And I mean, obviously very small, very small group of people. I mean, you're, you know, it's not I mean, like everybody could, goes to Hugh, her. Yeah. You, and I right. did. That's exactly who I went to. And nice. I was like, Hey, Hugh, uh, how does this work? And he's like, Oh, you know, you can make this kind of foot. You can do this. You, you can climb hard if you want to. And I'm like, really? And so he was, he was kind of cool. And he's, his low way. He's very, down low he's very calm and he's like you know you can work on it you can just push through and and i listened to him i listened to malcolm and i started thinking okay well so if i'm gonna climb again how's this gonna look and that kind of transformed into you know what do i like about climbing and that forced me to go okay so before i got hurt i was this kind of this climber who like i said i was pretty self-involved i think a lot of climbers are we we do our own thing it's Mm -hmm. very important to us I didn't want to go down that road again. Number one, I thought, well, I'm not going to climb hard anyway, so it's not going to matter. So I'm just going to go out and climb. And then I started climbing just to, for the sheer enjoyment of it again. And that kind of ramped up then. And that, you know, climbs got harder, boulder problems got harder. Things like goals started coming back like slowly. Like, I wonder if I could go climb. I mean, at that time it was like, I wonder if I could go climb the diagonal up on combat rock, um, five, nine plus super cool route. It was the first route Cindy and I did together as a couple. Okay. And I was like, that'd be kind of cool. So let's go do that. And I'm like, can I plug gear again? And so I went a whole year of top roping, um, kind of sussing out how my body worked and, uh, and then paying for it. Like, so if I climbed hard or tried hard one day, the next day I I would have trouble getting out of bed because I'd be so wrecked. Right. But I was like, 
slowly my body started to respond to that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And uh, Cindy and I went up and that the second year out from the accident, I started to lead again. And so first just started clipping bolts, really easy climbs, just didn't want to fall. Obviously I was like, no falling, led some stuff, felt pretty good. And then was like, gosh, you know, let's go. I'd really like to be plugging gear in again. That sounds like, again, my head is weird enough that I go, that sounds really fun to me. I love doing that. Why wouldn't I do that anymore? Mm-hmm. And, and everyone else is like, well, why would you do that? You know, trying to explain that to my parents was like, what the hell's wrong with you? And, uh, I'm like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just, I said this many times, I'm just exploring. I'm just, I'm not committing. I'm just seeing if I still like this. And so Cindy and I went and we did the diagonal together. And I remember the first time I plugged a gear in again, I was like, oh man, this is so rad. This is what I want to do. This is what I love about climbing. And, you know, like I said, it's five, nine, it's not hard, but it's like, it's one of the most aesthetic climbs. It's beautiful. Um, you're moving up this diagonal crack and you know, you're just, you know, I'm trying to figure out, oh, how do I get my prosthetic to stick in this thing? How do I, how does this work? And I loved it. And I got to the anchor, Cindy comes up and I'm like, this is it. I'm, I'm, I want to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, well, okay, so there was this climb. There are these several problems in the reservoir that I loved. Um, and just started thinking about, okay, what resonated with me as a climber? Not just like hard, but just like, what did I do as a climber that I loved and l- did it just because I loved it? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what, I, that's the kind of climber I want to be. I don't want to be this asshole who's like, I just want to push numbers. I want to do this. And, and and I didn't do that before. Yeah. I was going to ask you, were you ever really that guy? No, or? I was pretty laid back, but sure. in my, in my mental dialogue, my internal dialogue sure. was like, I want to try harder. I want right. to be good at this. Right. Whereas now I was like, you know what? A, nobody cares. Nobody cares how hard you climb, except you. And then B, I was like, the only people who really care what I'm doing are my wife and kids anyway. So it's like, if I just keep it confined to that and we're all happy, then I'm psyched. And so my kids could care less what I do. I mean, if I'm, we kind of climb five, seven together and they're psyched. And, yeah, and then sure, I realized I'm psyched too, you know? Yeah. So this was really fun again. And it kind of allowed me to relearn the whole climbing process because I had to, mm-hmm. but then also like mentally relearn it. And I started kind of, retracing these lines that kind of formed me as a climber, like what lines I liked the most. And then I started to go back and do them again. And so did them as an able body climber. And then I wanted to see if I could redo them as a disabled climber. And so that became this idea for this. I called it the list. And I literally, I would be driving, you know, or sitting in my wheelchair doing wheelies and you know, a lot of downtime because you're hurt. And so I wonder if I could do punk rock traverse again, cause super foot intensive thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, shit, I'm going to go just, work on that. And so that's what I would do is I'd go by myself and work on these problems or I'd go to a route, work the route again. And then that, it just all kind of started moving on its own at that point. Cause then I just, once I kind of put it out there to like some friends, they were like, Oh yeah, let's go do, you know, whatever route we did that thing together. Let's go do that together. And I'd be like, yeah, that's a great idea. And that's what I would do is I just start ticking these lists off. And the first year I had like 10 things I wanted to do mm-hmm. and did them. And, uh, like the best thing I did was uh, went back to the valley for the first time. I hadn't been back to the valley since I got hurt. And I called up, um, was going to do a speed climbing comp uh, for this disabled X Games. Sure. But I had never done any speed climbing before. So I was like, shit, I don't know anything about this. So I emailed Hans Florine and mm-hmm. I was like, dude, how do you speed climb? Well, no, I wrote. Just I'm, go really yeah, fast. Yeah, just go up. <laughs> I wrote in the subject line on the email, I was like, amputee climbing fast. And then I was. I was like, I should get him to open it because I thought that's sure. no, probably not going to even respond. <laughs> but he responds right back and he's like, call me up. So I call him and we, we ended up becoming friends. And he's like, just come out to the valley and we'll just 
we'll do something together. And I'm right. like, okay. She, and I'm doing wheelies in my wheelchair as he's saying this to me. And I'm like, right. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be sure, there I'll come out there. Sure. <laughs> I'll be there in June. And so we went out to the valley in June. And he's so matter of fact. He's just like, yeah, yeah. So what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. It's like, let's do El Cap. Okay. What are we going to do? And he's like, we'll just do it in a day. And he's like, I don't like to bivy. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I don't like to bivy either. We're going to do it in a Especially day. with another yeah, man. That'd be really, that'll work. And so Cindy's like, I think, yeah, you guys should do it. You should totally do it. She's like, you can't be with a better partner up there. So I'm like, okay. So we did. We went and did Lurking Fear. And um, that kind of opened my eyes like, oh, shit. So you can go hard again mm-hmm. and pay for it a little bit the next day. And it'll be cool. You'll be fine. You can get back there. And I remember about halfway up that route. We were on the pillar of despair, actually. And Hans was getting ready to lead out this thing. And I just remember looking around and thinking, holy shit, this is it. This is what I do. This is exactly who I am. Well, you you know, I go back to that, that quote I picked out. You know, I had to cut off my leg to climb. To, yeah. To rock climb. And, uh, you know, so it's almost like, okay, so now here's this this opportunity that you probably wouldn't even have had. And that's... You know that that is like one hundred percent right, and and since so this is going to sound this is the part where everyone goes, okay, that's weird. The thing I've been able to do some of the most amazing things since I got hurt. Right. And had I not gotten hurt, like people ask me all the time, man, if you could back it up, would you would you change it? And there's parts of it I would change. I'd love to not be in pain all the time and take drugs. Clearly, but you know, I wouldn't change it because I've. I mean, some of the stuff I've been offered, some of the things I've done, some of the things I want to do, I've had these amazing people come beside me and say, yeah, we want to help you do that. That would have never happened before. And so to me, it's like this incredible opportunity is probably not the right word, but it's it's the word I'll use because it's like you you have these opportunities given to you because you are willing to say, yeah, you know what? I don't think this should be the end. I I don't think that this should be something that shuts you down. I want to go out and do these things again. And it all goes back to my head saying... Why the hell wouldn't I want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to be on the side of El Cap, going fast, having fun, hanging out with your friends? Right. Why wouldn't you want to? And to me, it's like, well, just because you're hurt doesn't mean you shouldn't do that. And that's what I, when I go and talk with people now, it's like, you know, just because you're hurt, that doesn't mean squat. I mean, you're hurt. I get that. Right. Um, but you can, you can move on. You, you can have a great life. And, and I think that's one of the things that you don't see when you get hurt. Like mm-hmm. you don't realize, oh, down the road, this is going to be a good thing. When you're in it, it's hell on earth and it's horrible. Right. But you don't have that vision to see out from it. Whereas I do, and I can look back on it and go, yeah, you know, it's, it's, you're going to be fine. And I meet people all, I go back and talk with people who are right. going through trauma now. Right. And, um, or going to amputate. And I'll say to them, you know, this part you're in right now is one part of your whole life. Don't get fixated on this. This is going to suck for sure. But, you know, you're going to go through this. It's mm-hmm. going to be good. And Hans was really good at pointing me in that direction and saying, you're fine. You're totally fine. Don't right. worry about it. And uh, we did that route. I came down, then started doing just different routes around the country and things I love to do and go, went back. And then, you know, then you then I start getting ideas in my head again. Like, well, you know. It'd All right. Be cool. Doors are open. Yeah. Doors are mind. open. Yeah. Like, what do I want to do? And then I started thinking about uh Dis- disabled people climbing on our on cap, you know, and there has been several who have done it, um, you know, done like long trips up the, the captain, but not and ever. They're always with someone able-bodied and that was always the, right. the, the focus. And so I was like, well, why don't, why don't all disabled people climb El cap? And like my friend, Timmy O'Neill is in Boulder and he, sure. he was like, well, 
there's just not that many who want to do it. Right, right. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. yeah, that's probably right. But it's like, it should be, we should do that. Like, why wouldn't we do that? And uh-huh. so I started itching around for a partner and found this friend, Jerem, who's missing his leg. And I was like, dude, what do you think about climbing El Cap? And he's never done it before. He's like, yeah, you know, okay. Yeah. Sounds like a good idea. I mean, he's dumb enough to believe me. And he's uh-huh. like, yeah, let's do it. So we met out there in June of last year and started up Lurking Fear. And he had, He's never been on a wall, so we kind of... So he's a rock climber, he's a rock but not climber, a wall climber. Not a wall climber. Okay. And anyone who's wall climbed knows it's it's not really rock climbing. It's <laughs> right. a lot of vertical construction and just sure, shit sure. and just getting beat down. Right. And at the first day, he's just like, oh, shit. You know, he's just in the portal edge, and he was not psyched, and his leg was hurting pretty bad. Mm-hmm. We ended up going two more pitches above, and then he was like, I'm done. I, I can't do this. Right. And, and we, we ended up retreating, and we go down, and, and we talked more about it, and he, his leg had actually fallen off at one point because he had lost a bunch of weight. So your leg is your leg is held on by volume, and so if you gain weight or lose weight, uh-huh. you can get hosed pretty quick. Did I read about this? You somewhere? might have read about. It. Okay. And he so his leg falls off, and so he's just like, "This is messed up." You know, I don't, I don't want to play like this like anymore. Like falls off, falls off. It fe- it was weird. Like, like to the so, ground. No, he's got a long sling on that he had cleaned. And his leg pops off, caught in the sling. And I'm just like, are you serious? Those things aren't cheap. Oh. I, you know, you see it happen. I saw it hanging in the sling, and I'm like, oh, shit. And when it fell off, he just put his head. <laughs> it was actually kind of funny now. He just He's on his jugs, you know, and he, the leg falls off. He just took his head and just put it against the rock. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think he's thinking. Shit, that's not good. And he just looks up at me. And you know when somebody looks at you and you're like, yep, we're done. Right, yeah, right. I the just communication knew, Yeah, is you don't there. even have to say it. And he got up to the anchor and he's like, I don't think I can do this. I'm like, okay. You know, we t- I talked to him for a while and he's like, no. And so we end up bailing and uh, go down and he just wasn't ready mentally. And so I was like, okay, you know, what what are you thinking? And he's like, I, I want to go home. So drove him to Fresno. He flew home that night, actually. I right. stayed in Fresno, came back up. And then Hans and I did the nose in a day. It was a 70, 75th trip up the nose in a day. So he and I did that together. And then I split. And I was like, okay. That's probably not going to happen. You know, in my head, I was like, I'm, I'm not even going to try that again. And, you know, it's typical with climbing. You get away from it and you're like, well, it was still fun. You know, let's figure this out. So a buddy of mine who's missing his arm, Pete Davis, I called him up and he was like, yeah, you know, and again, he's dumb enough to believe me. So he was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And he's done what he's climbed walls. And so he's like, yeah, I'll do that. Totally. So I talked to Jerem again and said, I'm going to go back in June. What do you think? And he's like, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to. I'll go back. And so he's going to come back. We're all meeting out there uh, June 2nd. And part of our problem was I think we weren't on a steep enough route. So mm-hmm. we're going to come on the right side this time and do Zodiac. Okay. That way his leg isn't going to rub the rock at all. Uh-huh. He'll be he'll be free jugging most of the climb. Right. Um, and we'll see what happens. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that, that I mean, the reason you do three-person ascents is, is reduce the workload. Absolutely. No matter able-bodied or not. Yeah. <clears throat> and spreading it out with three is, I've always liked that mm-hmm. on a wall because, mm-hmm. you know, you're not leading as much. Mm-hmm. Pete and I will split all the leading. Plus, you're not hauling as much, right. which is really That's nice. the big thing. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're just kind of, you're getting off your, that division of work and you're moving more, you know, you right. can hopefully cover more space um, quickly and we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to go into it like with very open minded. Sure, that, but that sounds like a much better strategy. We'll see. Actually, yeah, I'm so, psyched. Actually, yeah, that's and amazing. That's, that's, that's so funny. You're came. like calling these people and Bob. Like, <laughs> there's probably people out there like who see you calling and they're like, "Don't, don't pick don't that pick up," because <laughs> I know what he wants to do. <laughs> that's such a bad idea. 
<laughs> oh, it's so true too. Cause you're just like, <sighs> I mean, the first time I told my parents, like I was, I was going back to the valley. I hadn't, I didn't tell my parents I was climbing. Yeah. Right. Cause I was like, shit, I can't tell my parents. Uh-huh. And, uh, talking to my mom about visiting them and my mom's like throwing dates out and I'm just like, you know, uh, well, no, I can't be there and we can't come in June cause I'll be in the valley and then I'll be back. And I went, Oh shit, you said the valley. And oh. then I'm like, I wonder if she knows what the valley is. And I'm so I keep talking faster, like, oh, I'll cover it up. And there's silence, and my mom goes, "What did you say about the valley?" And I'm like, "Oh gosh, no, 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 no." And I was like, "Well, we're gonna be in Yosemite. What are you doing in Yosemite?" And I must have stu- stuttered enough. She goes, "You're gonna go climb Yosemite, aren't you?" Now, when your mom says something that is not contextually right. Mm-hmm. Being a smart ass is the dumbest thing you can do. Right. But it's my first fallback position. Right. So I was like, well, Yosemite's a national yeah. park. You don't, you don't climb, climb Yosemite. So. You climb El Cap. Yeah. Bad idea. Right. She's like, like, I'm going to get your father. All of a sudden I hear click. What are you doing? Your mom, why is your mom yelling? And I'm like, oh gosh. She said. Where, where, where are these? They're where in, they, live? they live in Delaware. Okay. And so, is that where you grew up? No, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Yeah, but and still, they retired to the East they're Coast. Not like, they're not mountain folks. Let's right. Just okay. Put it that That's way. what I was getting. They're at. beach yeah. folks. And, <laughs> and my dad's like, whoa, what, are you, what, what, your mom came right in the garage yelling, you're climbing. What are you doing? You're climbing again? Why are you climbing again? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm you can't just... say like I'm top roping El Cap. <laughs> you can't say that. You can't, you, I'm just like, well, here's what I'm doing. And here's what I think I'm going to do with this guy. And who the hell is this guy? So, so wait, you, they didn't even know really you were even climbing. I never told them. And so you've and gone through this whole process to get to where you can go out and climb El Cap and right and even totally hit. We went, we actually went time. to Italy. We went to Italy and we went climbing there. And I never told them. I was like, yeah, yeah, we went to Italy and we just like toured around and ate gelato. Right. And they were like, oh, that's so cool. The food is great. And I'm like, yeah. And what else did you do? Nothing. I didn't do anything. And so they, I would just hit it. Totally. And my wife was like, you realize that's not going to work. And I'm like, it's going to work for a while. Right. Don't even question this. And so she, at least then you'll have like a record of saying, look, I've been able to do that this. That was my plan. That like, was I've plan. been doing Probably this for two years. Bad plan. Bad plan. And so they were pissed. And my dad's like, you know, do you have, you realize if you're a paraplegic, you're fucked. I mean, you, I mean, he wordsmithed it better than that. But he's like, you know, you you can't get hurt. I mean, you cannot take a hit. You realize that. And I'm like, Dad, listen. I mean, I could get rear-ended in my pickup and get hurt. And he's right. like, well, that's stupid. That's a stupid analogy. You know, you're you're choosing to go do this. And I'm like, you're right, I am. But I'm going out here with this guy who's got a He's super safe, super good track record. He's a dad. He's a husband. You know, we're not just a bunch of idiots running at this thing. And mm-hmm. and I understand your fear. I understand. I said, I'm scared, terrified to do this, but it's something I feel like I'm going to go do. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, okay, so if you're going to go do it, I can't stop you. Just keep us in the loop. And and you know how that is when you're going to do something, you're not sure how it's going to come out. You're you're scared. You're You're dealing with all that stuff anyway. And so now I'm trying to factor in the disabled thing and like, shit, how... How much do I take as far as drugs go? I mean, what do I eat? What, how am I going to do this? And sure. Hansi was great at just like, we're going to blast this thing. Just be done and be down and it's going to be fine. And so once we got down, I called them the next day and they were they were ecstatic. I mean, they were super psyched. And nice. now it's been, like I said, it's been nine years now. So they're very aware of what I do mm-hmm. and very they've seen it enough. And they're like, okay, you know, we... You know, climbing is one of those things where you say, I'm as safe as I am can be. Stuff happens, obviously, but, um, you know, I feel like an idiot saying, well, nothing bad happens climbing. You can't say that. Right. You can't exactly pull that one off anymore, but they're, they've accepted it. I mean, they understand it. They don't, mm-hmm. I don't know that they love it, but 
I tell them all the stuff we do now and right. they get excited and I send them pictures and, you know, they get psyched. And it's, I think it's one of those things too, where they didn't want to see the accident to find who their son was, you know, sure. that, that would be really sad, I think too. So, all right. Well, let me, let me, uh, ask you a couple sort of philosophical things. I have this little complaint and I'm actually working on an essay about it, about how so much climbing media, you know, is about finding all this depth and meaning and climbing and how, you know, and I've been sort of joking that like, you know, if every time I went climbing, I had some sort of life moving revelation, I'd lose my mind. You know, it'd be like every weekend I'd come back. Like, I found it. I, found, I went to the Black Canyon and like, I saw it. I saw it. I knew and a week later I'd be like, I found another, you know, but here I am looking at a guy for whom that is just the truth. I mean, that is just the essence of the truth. You, you, I mean, the climbing runs through this whole thing from start to finish. Right. And like you said, it's part of your marriage and it's part of your life. Can you elaborate on that? Does, does it, is it just the same to you as it was before? Does it, does it no. have more power now? Does it? I think what I figured out was it's, it's not that I had these like, like epiphanies, like what you're saying. Sure. Like, oh my gosh, I, I understand everything now. It's, I think what I've learned is that climbing for me is one of those things that it calms me down. It mm -hmm. calms my head down. Mm -hmm. So. Even when I'm scared climbing or, or whatever it is, um, I'm still, it, it allows me to stay very focused on what I'm doing. And when you get hurt really bad, you tend to, if you're in a lot of pain all the time, like, so if I wake up feeling like crap, well, then you kind of focus on that because you're like, shoo, I feel like crap. So I take drugs to counteract that, but you're still feeling, it takes the edge off of you. Mm -hmm. What I realized was like climbing gave me the ability to shut that stuff off. Cause when I'm actually climbing, I don't feel that stuff. I'm, sure. I'm so focused on what I'm doing right. that it, it allows me to get away from that. And so it's kind of one of those, I always joke with Cindy and say, man, there are days I just wish I could unzip my body and get out for a while because sure. it just feels like a train wreck. Climbing is one of those outlets that it allows me to get out of it. Uh -huh. and so the movement, the, the movement's really good for me as far as stretching me out, keeps me limber. Um, and it's also, it's calms me down. Like if I go boulder for two hours, I feel calm. I feel mm -hmm. happy. I feel it's very simple. And I think the sim in that simplicity is, is where I find a lot of comfort because it's not worrying about my body. It's not worrying about the kids or Cindy. It's just like, okay, I'm moving this way six inches. That's mm -hmm. it. You know, it's all you're worried about. And I don't think there's many things in life that give you that focus. And so climbing is one of those things that I've done it for so long. It's, it's kind of therapy for me almost. Like mm -hmm. it helps me. When I feel like shit, I go climb, I feel better. Mm -hmm. When I feel, if I'm bummed out, about, I mean, because like people ask, well, how the hell do you not get depressed? If you're, if you're hurting all the time, how do you not, how do you fight that? And I'm like, you know what? I go climbing because it, it clears my head out. It sure. gets the crap out of my head. It's like, yeah, you know what? I'm fine. It's, and, and climbing is also one of those things where, you know, you're focusing daily on it. You're not like, I'm not planning 15 things down the road with climbing. I'm just mm -hmm. going to go climb here today and do this and it it gives you that short term focus, and I think that helps me as far as like keeping my head together. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like my therapy almost. Well, I wonder too, like listening to your whole story, and and uh, you know, I kind of have a sense of of what kind of climber you probably were beforehand, um, having started climbing in all these same places you did, right. almost the same time you did. And it's I'm wondering if it's like a chicken and the egg thing to where. You were already this person, this goal-oriented person, this this person who was very physical, 
Um, you know, climbing does tend to be this very goal oriented thing mm-hmm. where you, you already have those mental lists, whether you're making them for a purpose right. or not. You know, did this thing allow you or just maybe enhance those things and you found those things that you already had to be tools to help you get through it? You know, or did you change to become that person? What, I mean, what's your sense of it? I think yes on both. Okay. I think I probably had all those things in me. Mm hmm to a degree and I used them for climbing. Right. And that's probably the only place I use them. What the accident allowed me to do is it strips away all the bullshit and all of a sudden it's like, okay, here's what you got left. Right. So now what do you want to do with it? Do you want to, do you want to use it or do you want to just kind of like maintain it or do you want to just like not use it at all? And for me it was like, well, I want to, maintaining it would be stupid to me. Not using it would be foolish because I have this chance to go back and do stuff. And so I want to use it. So now what do I, how do I do that? And so it was, I was able to take some of those learned responses I had from before and like list making and task oriented mm-hmm. and, and training and all that stuff and use that for my rehab. And that got me back to, to this person that I think what it made me also realize was it's okay to not succeed all the time. Like mm-hmm. I used to be like, hey man, I'd hammer myself on something until I would get it. And whereas now I'm like, you know what? That might be as close as I get to that climb. There's a right. particular climb in Eldo that I've tried many times, and it's like I've I've clipped the chains, but I've never clipped it clean. Mm-hmm. One fall on it. That's one of those routes where you have to get your foot, your right foot goes high. You have to high step rock mm-hmm. over. It's not a move I can do anymore. Right. So it's like, well, shit. So I've tried so many different things, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you know what? That's okay right. not to clip those chains. Right. And whereas that's something I had to learn right. after the accident. Whereas right. before I'm like, I'm going to clip those damn chains. And so, okay, you know what? That's fine. It's a uh-huh. learning process. Uh-huh. So I think I've used, used it both ways. Well, listen, I, I think we're going to wrap this up. Um, uh, it's just so compelling. I 15 hours on. later. Yeah, right. No, seriously. <laughs> I mean, is there anything else you want to say? I'm, no, you've been great. Thank yeah. you for letting me babble. I can't wait to see the movie just like you. I'm psyched. The, the I'm world. psyched. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking forward to that. And, Anyway, thanks, Craig. I Thank really you. appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Do they see the handshake? No, they don't see the handshake. <laughs> All right. Damn. I don't know what to say after that one. Just go back and listen again, actually. There's a lot of good stuff in there. And now to my usual spiel. If you want to help out, buy some coffee from defiantbean.com. Head over to the website, enormocast.com. Click on Help Out. There's a bunch of other suggestions in there. Like us on Facebook. Give a review on iTunes. Donate. Whatever you want to do. Let's keep this thing rolling. i got a bunch of good stuff coming up. So come on back next time for episode 12. Got a couple ladies in the studio. We're going to talk about climbing and boys and girls and what happens when they try to climb together. All right, thanks for listening. Be safe out there. Check your knot. And man, make sure you're on belay. Just make sure you're on belay. All right, we'll see you next time. Come far, pilgrim. See us like far. Where's the trouble? Ah, what trouble?